Hey everyone, Brandon with a quick note before the podcast. If you're listening to this podcast on or before May 30th, 2020, then that means there is still time for you to view and bid on pieces that are a part of the Glass Tire auction. Normally, this auction happens during our fundraising party in Houston, which this year was unfortunately canceled due to the coronavirus. By buying a piece from the auction, you're supporting our work, but you're also supporting independent Texas artists and getting a fantastic piece of art in return. There are a number of ways for you to preview the pieces in the auction, but perhaps the easiest is just by visiting glasstire.com and letting a pop-up redirect you to the correct webpage. Thanks so much. We hope you'll enjoy and buy some art. Hello and welcome to Art Dirt. This is a podcast where we at Glass Tire talk about topical art topics. My name is Brandon Zeck. I am Christina Reese. And we are sitting in a car in the garage of the Museum of Fine Arts Houston because, uh, Christina, you and I just visited the first museum in two months. Mm-hmm. First, te- first major Texas museum to reopen. And, I, and I'm, by that, I mean major, major museum. Uh, and it's also, I guess, maybe the first really major museum in the United States to reopen. Is it? I think so. Oh, I guess, I guess that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, none of the museums in New York are open. Oh, none no. in LA are open. No, 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 no. Not Chicago, not yet. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so this is, this made the New York Times actually yesterday. But anyway, they, they, they made the announcement, uh, about a week ago and, um, and it kind of it kind of snuck up on us a little bit because not none mm-hmm. of us were expecting May twenty third to be the opening date of mm-hmm. a big museum. Well, and even before that, so Christina, we're recording this on Saturday the twenty third, but uh, this is the first public day for the museum. But the museum actually opened on Wednesday for members. That's right. So it opened like three days ago. Yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah. And what's so what was so strange about all this? Of course, we you know we started reporting on all the museum closings two months ago, more than two months ago at this point. Um, and I think that sort of the word on the street or the rumors that were going around Texas and beyond is that most museums have not really considered reopening until probably midsummer, mm-hmm. you know, in and around July, give or take a week or two. Uh, we believed that that was going to be true of the Texas museums. Now, the governor, you know, reopened things or, uh, you know, s- said that things could start reopening in early May. And most of the museums, when they released their initial statements about that, were saying, well, we're just not going to do that yet. Yeah. And I mean, even in an interview with the uh, Houston Chronicle with Molly Glenser, Gary Tintero, just a, I think a couple weeks ago at this point, didn't necessarily give a date, but he was kind of talking about how the museum, if they opened by mid June or July, kind of would be doing okay financially. So this date wasn't really even kind of out there floating around until they announced that they would be opening. That's right. And he's he's the director of the MFAH and uh and I and I think that so today was the first day the public could show up. We, you and I we showed up at 11, which was the, when the museum opened. Yeah. Uh and the process and of course there are all these protocols in place as you would you would expect and I think a lot of museums are going to be following the same protocols. So we can kind of tell you what our experience was of going through 
you know, first of all, obviously face masks are mm-hmm. uh, required of everyone. Yeah, uh, at the Museum of Fine Arts, it's anyone over the age of two should be wearing a face mask. Uh, it, so in Houston, there actually was a museum, the Museum of Natural Science, that opened, um, I believe, a, a, about a week ago mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. So they're requiring face masks for anyone over the age of 10. Mm-hmm. So younger children don't for the Science Museum, but for the MFAH, it's anyone over the age of two. So the uh, so let's see, 25% capacity, I think that's give or take 900 people. Is that what they're going to be allowing at any given time? It's all ticketed, by the way. Mm-hmm. And timed I, tickets. Timed tickets. And so, you know, we... Um, we're there so early, and since this is the first public day, it it was not crowded. I mean, we we can say that. No, not at all. I mean, we we showed up right at eleven, and there was a very small line. So you know, kind of in accordance with all of the new procedures, and also just with fewer visitors coming, there is only one entrance open um, to the museum. Not to mention, also since they're taking temperatures, there are these um, mm-hmm. devices. I guess you could that are kind of like. Uh, thermal readers called fevers um, that they're using to take temperatures. So, you know, they can probably only afford a certain number of those. Yeah. Um, so there it's, it just makes sense for them to limit. So you kind of wait outside in a socially distant line. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have bought a ticket already, you know, you stand in a different line. It's kind of like speedy admission mm-hmm. um, and you get your temperature read, you step up, um, and and you don't stand near anything to have your temperature read. It's it's it, that little machine was probably eight feet away from us. It's almost like someone taking a photo of you. It looked like a phone on a tripod. That's right. I mean, it kind of basically was. I, it seems like it. I mean, it really. It, yeah, exactly. And it only takes a second. And as far as I know, the protocol would be that if you if you read hot on that thing, they would. Uh, I think what they would do, and I, I'm just going to go ahead and say this is that if you if you read hot, they would actually ask if you will you'd be willing to take your temperature with a disposable thermometer and if you have a fever they'll ask if maybe you would uh return to the museum at a different time (laughs) but um we i mean i'll say we went through the entire museum pretty much and uh both buildings and um i mean we didn't come into close contact with anybody uh no you know one one of these things is it's so hard to envision what 900 people would look like spread over this museum Mm. because it's not 900 a building it's 900 total which you know of course if there's only one entrance open people are probably going to be kind of flowing through the museum in a really odd way (laughs) like i could see people being like yes museum and then they walk through that one building and they're like okay this is more external time than I've had in the past two months combined yeah (laughs) um and then leaving without even going to the other the other building yeah they won't go through the Terrell tunnel over into the other side there were almost no people over on the other side um but you know um I I mean I got to see the bacon show today I had not gotten to see it and there were fewer people actually in the bacon show kind of their marquee show than almost any other part of the museum Mm -hmm. um you know I uh, my whole point today was like how can i can i enjoy the art like can i get through the distraction and just the sense of being out and i haven't been out you know and brandon you haven't been out we've not been we're not we've taken all of this extremely seriously this social distancing thing i mean even for me not i haven't gone to grocery stores i haven't gone to places so 
I thought it would be harder and more nerve-wracking than it actually was. It was not particularly nerve-wracking. Now, I will say that crowds are the thing that really make me anxious. And because it wasn't crowded today, Mm -hmm. I wasn't anxious. Now, if it starts to look or feel crowded or if there are 900 people in there, but they're all kind of in the same part or region of the museum, Mm -hmm. I could see myself feeling like I really need to get the heck out of there. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the things about how crowded this museum really is right now is, as I said earlier, we're sitting in the parking lot uh, in the parking garage of this museum to record. And um, we're on the first level of this garage and it is not even close to being full. Oh whereas, my gosh, there's almost no cars here. Yeah. Whereas, you know, when I come to this museum on a normal Tuesday afternoon, I have to drive up to like the third level of this garage. And, you know, some of that could very well be staff that isn't in offices and it could be kind of offset a little bit. But even when I visit on the weekends, this garage is a lot more crowded than Mm -hmm, it is. So mm -hmm. I think just in general, people probably partly don't know that the museum is reopening yet because Mm. unless you're on the email list or you follow on social media and are really keeping up or you've seen articles around it's it's harder to know that or if you're a member um so i think it's going to be really interesting i mean i i kind of want to come back in like a month that is if if something drastic doesn't happen in a month with everything reopening yeah cases don't spike which kind of they have been a little bit over the past couple weeks yeah yeah it's a very it has it's it's a really strange sense of timing and i don't normally park in this parking garage actually i normally park over in the neighborhood behind the uh contemporary arts museum yeah behind the cam and walk over i did not go through into the part where you take an elevator up or just take a staircase up i walked outside and then out around to the one entrance that they're using at the back building so um, parking garages aren't my favorite thing anyway, but yeah, there's, there's, a, there are very few cars in here right now. Um, you know, I, there were, there were guards or, you know, they were, it felt like there were fewer museum attendants around. Maybe, um, maybe so. I mean, there were certain rooms where we didn't see them at all, but, um, I saw, I saw a number, mm-hmm. I saw a number of them. I mean, I, you know, we actually, not too surprisingly, we ran into a few people we knew <laughs> because of the circles that we run in. I mean, you know, the, the, the whole thing about this is that the people who are going to the museum, like I've seen a few people who have already gone to the member days or a few people who have tickets to come today. And there's a group of people, I think, Christina, you and I included, <laughs> um, that just kind of have to go do this I mean you know in a way in a way I I I part feel like I wouldn't have come today unless you and I were covering it yeah but at the same time I I look at myself and I'm like let's be real you probably I like I really wanted to go to a museum I've I've been deprived of this because if you're so used to being around it you know even if it's not your job like it is our job you're going to miss it and you're going to long for that and you're going to bite at that opportunity when you have a chance. It's weird. It, the, this is the weirdest part of the conversation for me because what, I, and I've said this to you and I've said this to other people who I've been talking on the phone with on a regular basis, other art people included, but you know, the thing that I've missed the most, and as much as I absolutely love galleries and dealers and you know how I am about that, what I've really missed is museums. 
and um and i was stayed in fort worth uh up until yesterday i was in fort worth for two months and i was in the museum district of fort worth and i would walk around those museums i couldn't go into the museums but being from dallas fort worth my huge homesickness for museums was really for dfw museums like the weirdest thing this is such a strange kind of confessional but if i could go into any museum right this second um because of my own homesickness and where i grew up it would be the dma Um, And so they released a a virtual tour of their European galleries. The newly reinstalled European. Yes, which I've gone through the virtual tour like 10 times already. Just because like I'll just be on the phone with somebody and I'll just be touring that gallery (laughs) because I just miss it so badly. So there's a there's kind of a sense of like where I would make a beeline to um, if it was reopened or not. And I don't know. I don't know that I would be here at all today if this if this wasn't news, if this wasn't my job. Um, I think that I was very ready to wait until midsummer to go into a museum. Mm -hmm. I was very prepared to be like, okay, this isn't happening until, you know, July or August. See, but the thing about that is I think one of the reasons you were also prepared for that is because none of us thought that they would be reopening. Absolutely. So it's like, I, I very much can sympathize with that because I think I was too like, (laughs) but, but when the MFA announced, I I don't know how it would have changed in my mindset uh, about the MFA announcing their reopening. It's funny too, because one one of the things that I was thinking of with, you know, we've got so many terrific museums in Texas, obviously. And so here's MFA, it's the biggest of the museums and it's, it's the wealthiest of the museums. But, and I don't think that there's any real financial incentive for them to open in this way. Uh, not a direct or an immediate financial incentive to do this. I mean, this to me is almost like a rogue move on their part. But um, but I'm kind of happy for all the other museums in Texas that they get to... <laughs> this is just... I don't know. This is probably not the nicest thing to say, but it, I feel like they must be relieved that they can kind of sit back and... Oh, and watch how watch the MFA this. deals yeah. with it? <laughs> like, let's oh, see yeah. how this goes. We'll let them go out there and be the canary in the coal mine. And uh, and I do think that that's sort of happening. Now, we do know that the San Antonio Museum of Art is going to open pretty soon. Yeah, uh, this coming week, they're going to be opening for members initially and then for general public. Yeah. So uh, another couple of things that we experienced inside the museum is, you know, the water... F- fountains are covered in black plastic there's um there just there's no audio tours so you're not going to be taking on you know headsets and stuff like that there's no um there's no sort of material to touch right for example um if you've ever been through the upstairs of the museum's beck building uh, which has the european collections um there is a fantastic room of works from the blaffer collection Mm -hmm. and it's like a cabinet of curiosities room we've talked about this before mm-hmm. i think rainy wrote about she it for did. us she did write a really nice piece about it it's a wonderful room and it has a lot of kind of it has books it has taxidermied animals there was an armadillo in there today just hanging from the ceiling too yeah um <laughs> it, it's this wonderful odd odd room but normally you know this room is so salon style and so jam-packed that there's no room for labels labels would kind of mess up the flow anyway uh-huh. so there's like a um big legal sized laminated thick piece of paper that you take out of the little uh, plastic holder and use to guide yourself around. So 
that that holder was completely empty along with every brochure holder for either takeaway brochures or information or yeah. anything throughout the museum. Yeah. Um, that was kind of just as an art viewing person. And I'm always, I always want to know the story behind stuff. And Christina, I know you do too. Yeah. And a lot of times that info, what it is, who made it, when it was made helps that. It was interesting to have that room have no zero information, yeah, no grounding. Yeah. Um, and it just, I mean, it, it made you just really look at the work. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed no, the too. I enjoyed the room as much as I've ever enjoyed the room. I can't remember who certain artists are and Not there was, so there was no no way for me to check that out. But you know, I don't um Oh, and also the uh, the Damien Hurst cabinet is completely empty right now. I think that yeah, that was just I think that was a a, a poignant little uh, uh, coincidence because it said that it had been deinstalled for or temporarily removed from exhibition on December 31st. So uh-huh. that was kind of before this even, you know, reached us or before we were conscious so much of it. Well, that's true. Um, but yeah, having this medical cabinet be completely <laughs> empty is an odd poignant sign for the time we're living in yeah yeah but generally speaking but don't get us wrong i mean the museum is it's in full swing i mean you know all the exhibitions are up i saw i saw the bacon show for the first time today uh and i recommend it um but you know i don't know i just um i i was able to start getting more into the swing of things when we got into the kind of the post-war stuff and I, at that point is when I finally sort of forgot that I had the mask on and that I was really able to look at the work. But, you know, I don't know. I just I just really would have thought maybe an extra three weeks or so before this happened. I, I don't. Mm-hmm. It's also funny. We ran into somebody. I won't say who, but we ran into somebody who she was asking us if we had been going to galleries lately. Mm-hmm. And both of us just answered, you know, just No. no. <laughs> course not like we've been keeping an eye on everything that everyone across texas has been doing but no i haven't made any appointments to go to galleries she seemed surprised and it was like that isn't surprised it's not surprising to me i know galleries i've spoken to art dealers who have been open by appointment but they've not exactly been like thrilled to be even open by appointment and i'll tell you what they're not thrilled about is people showing up at their galleries with no masks on Mm -hmm. um i mean also you know some some, not all, but some gallery gallerists in Texas are of kind of the more at-risk demographic. Uh, there are a number of gallerists in Texas who are older, who oh, are sure. 60s, 70s, late 70s, early 80s. Like, I, I wouldn't want to set foot in these galleries just in case I were, you know, I, I were a non-symptomatic carrier of something. Like, the last thing I want to do is get a gallerist in Houston sick. Oh, my gosh. You know, and actually museums, you know, have a often have a pretty skewed older demographic as well um so you know i guess one of the things that the controversy or one of the big questions that people go back and forth on is like is art essential enough to justify opening a museum you know an argument for opening the museum this is more of I mean, I would say more of an MFAH argument than a science museum argument, although I know um, the science museum in Houston has, you know, implemented strict cleaning standards and they're not having all the touchy things open. But like (laughs) on a normal visit to the MFAH, you don't have to really touch anything. No, it's like and and on this visit today, of course, because right now we're all super conscious of it. I, I tracked that like I had to 
touch a button to get a ticket to the parking garage. Mm -hmm. Um, I was able to not touch the railing of the escalator. Yeah, I didn't touch the escalator. Um, I they're they're not giving out like little tags or stickers or anything to show that you you belong in the museum. So there's no like the only exchange that you have with the visitor services assistant is um, either like paying with your card. They they're not accepting cash. Yeah. Um. But I mean, you know, when you're walking around a museum, there's no there's no sort of surface or interactive thing, especially because they took away the information sheets. Yeah. So there's no. I, I can understand the argument of reopening because it's like, well, if we have people wearing masks and everyone thinks that masks are going to be the thing that kind of really cuts down on transmissions, mm-hmm. we're not having anyone touch anything. Kids are wearing masks. Like, why not? Let's do it. People can stay away from each other. Yeah. It's a very Texas mentality <laughs> also. Yes, it is. I mean... Although Texas, you know, I mean, there's there's a, a lot of different versions of Texas, and the art world of Texas is different from the kind of more libertarian bent of Texas. And so it's also, I'm just curious to see who will want to go to the museum, because mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of more progressive people or liberal people or Democrats or whatever are less likely to want to go out uh, and not be protected or not wear masks in case they're going to transmit something. So I just, I don't, I don't know. I think this is all just kind of a very strange experiment is what it feels like to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we're supposed to say that art is so essential that this is a wonderful thing that this museum has reopened. And I, I'm happy that we <laughs> got to go I don't I don't think anyone needs to feel any obligation or pressure to do so. Oh yeah. Well, and I think the museum is trying to mitigate that in a way because they're still continuing with online programs oh, and sure. things like that. Sure. Um I mean there are plenty of ways to still engage with art online for right now and I mean the, the fact that not a ton of other museums have been opening means that that's, I think, going to continue for a while. And I think even the people who are visiting the MFAH right now, you know, I mean, it's going to be a while before people are regular visitors again. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's, it's, it's more of a luxury at this point. It's, it's more of a kind of a conscious thing that you're saying, I am going to go to the museum on Friday at two because Mm -hmm. you have to buy the time ticket or you should buy the time ticket. Right. Or you're having to make it a thing. Whereas Christina, I know you and I would be like, huh, I kind of feel like going to the museum today or I feel like visiting the Canaletto painting that I love. Right. And then we'd come for 30, 45 minutes and leave and and have it be over. Yeah. Um, It's, it's a more purposeful thing now. Yeah. Which kind of makes it feel, yeah. Which makes it feel like art is less, less of just your everyday oxygen and more of an event and mm-hmm. uh, we're used to art being just kind of our everyday oxi- oxygen so that's an interesting thing and I you know um, I don't know if I, one of the things that I have to wonder is if MFAH or any of the museums ultimately when when if, if they actually got up to what their capacity is going to be 25 percent 
900 people if they're going to how they're going to direct traffic if there's a way of directing traffic if they're going to start putting like arrows on the floors or saying you know f traffic needs to flow in one direction and one direction only mm -hmm. right today it didn't seem necessary at all again uh, we didn't come within 15 feet of any other people mm -hmm. um so uh, I never, I don't, I, gosh, I don't know. I still think that this is just all, everyone's just playing it by ear. Everyone's just trying to figure things out as they go along. Um, I wish that I had a better, I wish that I had a better idea of why this particular museum opened on this particular date. Well, yeah, it is, it is an interesting decision because um, although, of course, the governor's orders had instructions for opening after what was it? I think May 1st mm -hmm. um, and the 25% capacity and kind of everything around that was part of it. Um, the mayor told us or the mayor, mayor's office told us that the preference for the city of Houston was to not open before June 1st yeah. for cultural institutions. But both, I mean, kind of our two bellwether museums, the Science Museum and the MFAH just decided to do it. And of course, that's if it's not a mandate or anything it's a preference so they can do whatever they want and maybe they negotiated with the city and got the way around it maybe it was just what the city felt like they needed to say and they allowed business owners or museums or nonprofits in this case to do kind of whatever they wanted actually um it could be any range of things around that but it is it's interesting that they kind of chose to do it earlier than the city recommended well you know certainly one of the one of the the things that the mfah is getting out of this is more publicity because to be the first one to reopen means that they're getting attention they're going to get the crap for all the people who have been absolutely stir crazy and have missed art terribly and feel like that they, they mm -hmm. need to go see art this is this is it this is the only game in town you know this is the only game in the state that's open so they're going to benefit from that. I, I don't, I'm not trying to be cynical. I'm just saying that it's just true. Um, well, I mean, it makes sense that they would be that institution to lead the way in whatever circumstance because they're kind of like, I'm thinking about how other publications have been really tracking the Met in New York mm -hmm. because the Met is kind of the bellwether yeah, yeah. of everything else just because it's size, it's endowment, just everything around it because is Because it's massive. the Met, yeah. Yeah. And um, I think the Met is now saying August at the earliest. And well, you know, in the East Coast and anything in New York, it's kind of New York is just its own uh, ecosystem. Absolutely. And because it was hit so hard by COVID, you know, they're going to have to they can't the, whatever the, the rest of America is doing. New York can't pay any attention to that anyway. But I had speculated for a little while, uh, and you and I talked about this, that the MFAH, you know, about a month ago, I said, I think the first museum in Texas to reopen is going to be the MFAH. And I feel like that will be true because they'll almost feel a responsibility or an obligation to be the leader. But I actually don't believe that now. And I don't believe that other Texas museums feel like just because the MFAH has reopened that now it's time for us all to reopen. I don't no, believe that. I don't believe that any museum director is, you know, such a sheep that they would, um, that they would do that. But I, I do just, I don't, I don't know. I think <laughs> I still just think it's an interesting, strange decision. You know, it wouldn't have mattered to me, uh, if I needed to wait another couple of months to get over here to see, to see what there was to see. But, 
I don't know. What have you heard from? Have you heard, have you talked to people who are really excited about this being reopened? Um, I've seen a few things and just on social media and talked to a few people. Um, I, I don't think I've seen anyone that's necessarily chomping at the bit, but I think <laughs> I've seen uh, uh, and talked to a lot of people who are just going to use it as a cautious opportunity and they're happy about all of the precautions that the MFA is taking. Oh, by the way, there are hand sanitizing stations throughout the uh, museum as well, which mm-hmm. which we took advantage of. Yeah, I when I read the New York Times piece uh, about the reopening of museums in the U.S. and the MFA, which was kind of the, the, the main one that it, it uh, focused on, I always read the comments in the New York Times it's just a habit. I've been doing it for years and you know, there's the reader comments and then there's the New York time comments and there's just the right, there's just kind of the clearinghouse of all of them, but there weren't a whole lot of comments yesterday yet. There may be now, but not surprisingly a New York times, you know, audience, most of them were very disdainful and upset about the fact that the MFAH was reopening. They were like, this is not safe. This is not responsible. I don't know why they're doing this. It's kind of what you would expect from that particular. And it's a lot of East Coast commenters, of course. And, of course, a lot of East Coast people or a lot of people who are living and working in New York City right now are pretty pretty well traumatized and for very good reason. Um, there is, I mean, just the, the kind of different cultural conversation that we've all been having about the difference in, like, the spread out um, roving car-based metropolitan of southern and specifically texas culture texas larger cities um if you've never lived it it's it's hard to understand if you're familiar with like an east coast city or a place like boston or new york because it is different and it's a different way of dealing with this virus of course when you're in uh when you're in a museum or when you're in a public space it's all the same but I don't know. There are different there are different risks in all of the areas, and I'm I wonder if some of that kind of gets lost in translation a little bit. Oh, absolutely, uh, absolutely it does. And I, you know, and I and I I want us to emphasize that um, even for Texans, and you and I are both native Texans. You know, we've been. We've been so careful. I, I went to one grocery store. Otherwise, I was doing curbside pickup. I went to one grocery store early on in the shutdown. I, I mean, my anxiety level was so high in that grocery store. So I don't want even mm-hmm. the, our listeners to think that I'm somehow cavalier about any no. of this. I'm not. And you're not either. Um, but I just didn't feel a tremendous amount of tension inside the museum today. I really didn't. Me neither. I, I, I was expecting to feel a lot more uncomfortable, not because of the museum or a lack of precautions or anything, but just of kind of my own anxiety of being out and public yeah well Um, yeah and i drove from from fort worth to houston yesterday and it was like the first time i'd ever like i'm gonna take a road trip you know and i normally road trip constantly and love it and i'm addicted to it but i was not a happy camper (laughs) on that drive i was like oh this is really really strange but i will say i mean i i think we need to um 
be extremely clear that when we were in the museum, it was not crowded. No. And if it if it gets crowded, that's I. This whole thing would this whole conversation would be different if there were nine hundred people waiting in that line. This oh my morning gosh! When we got I there. mean, I think that I would be you know sitting here having a panic attack right into this microphone, you know. And so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I would love it if if any listeners uh, make this trip and come and come do a visit here and they run into bigger crowds or they run into kind of bottlenecks of crowds in certain areas. I would love to hear about that. I would like to know um, how well that's managed. I don't want to, I'm not going to say that I really condone people going or that I think that it, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's a great idea. I don't think it's a terrible idea right now. All I know is it wasn't crowded today. We went and it could have been a lot worse. I mean, I was, I was really happy with everything that MFA was doing. It seems like, Honestly, it's all that anywhere that's opening that chooses to open back up can do. It's funny. I I was talking to uh, I was talking to my dad a few months ago, and he and my brother are big sports fans, and um, you know they go to all the sporting events. They had they had season tickets to the Rangers forever and ever. This is all DFW. But, you know, if other if things where people have to gather and sit in seats next to each other, movie theaters and sporting events and all of that, it's going to take so much longer for any of that to reopen. And I said to dad, I said, I think museums will reopen and I think people will go because what else are they going to do? You know, it's a place where they can go. And because people are continuously circulating and you don't have to stand next to a person when you do it, the museums will be one of the few things, the few cultural things that people mm-hmm. can actually get out of their house and go do and feel not so unsafe. And he's, he's, I can't say he's an art guy or he's not an art guy, but I mean, he agreed even, and he was, he thought, yeah, I mean, I, he's, he was thinking that he would visit a museum bef- well before he would go to a ranger game. Yeah. So, uh, it really may be that museums are, uh, they're just one of the first things that people feel like they can, they can go see. Mm-hmm. The other major museums in Texas have not announced their reopening date. They do not know their reopening dates. Um, They're waiting and seeing how things go. We still do, and we have talked to museum professionals. I mean, we've been on the phone with people, but um, it is looking like probably, if unless numbers change, COVID numbers change quite drastically, unless there's a spike, I, I think we are looking at June and July for a lot of reopenings. Um, and then, of course, what we d- have no idea is what's going to happen in the fall and in the winter. And if uh, the numbers uh, of COVID goes goes way up or if death rates go way up, I think, that, you know, we'd be looking for another shutdown. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, keep an eye on Glass Tire because we are reporting um, as best we can and as quickly as we can when we hear about museum reopenings. Um, yeah. And it's going to be kind of just a continuous tentative wave i think for you know most galleries are by appointment but really who we haven't heard much from are the nonprofits. um nothing yeah that's right yeah like kind of the smaller mid-sized nonprofits because i mean they're they're operating between a really delicate space of like most of them are doing online programming right now but you know they don't have um the resources like the mfah or like bigger museums to get a ton of disposable thermometers or 
like higher scale temperature readers or, you know, there's also the whole issue of assuming liability whenever you invite people into your space. And I feel like small to mid-sized nonprofits are really kind of trying to navigate this new landscape. And I think it, oddly enough, because they are normally so flexible about everything they do, because that's what institutions like that are mm-hmm. used to being. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is really going to complicate things for them for a little while. They're limber, but um, but they don't tend to have the kind of crazy blockbuster shows that draw thousands of people either. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, even a really successful show at a, at a relatively big nonprofit that's not a major museum wouldn't be dealing with the kind of crowds that can happen at a place like the MFAH. I mean, when I brought my mom to uh, MFAH at Christmas time, it was just packed. I mean, yeah. the museum was packed. And um, and I'm not used to seeing um, some of our nonprofits, you know, with those kinds of numbers, except for on the opening nights or the opening parties or whatever. But they, you know, they're going to have their own set of set of uh, problems and protocols to to work out. And um, yeah, we haven't heard from them. So in summation, <laughs> uh, how do we feel? I I enjoyed our visit today, honestly. You enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I I, I enjoyed it, and I I was a lot less anxious than I thought, and I I, I would. I wouldn't necessarily recommend someone to definitely drop everything and come and visit. But if you've been kind of hankering for something and you feel like you can be safe and you feel comfortable wearing a mask, I feel like it could be worth a try. Maybe. I I, I will say I the journalist in me was glad to be there today. Mm-hmm. Right. That just made sense. Um, would I send my mom? When I send my dad, yeah. I don't know the answer to that, actually. I don't really want my mom to leave the house ever, of course. You know, if I could block her from le- <laughs> leaving her home, I would. And I can't because she's a restless person and she likes to go. But, um, you know, we're all adults. We all get to make our decisions about what we do with ourselves and our bodies and our time. And um, I'm glad that we went. Would do what I recommended. I think it just. I don't. I don't know what. I don't know what to say. It was good to see some art today. I'll say that. Yep. <laughs> it was really nice to see some art, but again, I could have waited. I was. Yeah, I was very prepared to wait for months. I thought we would have to wait for months. Yeah. I thought it wouldn't be a choice. Yeah. So I don't know if I consider this a luxury or just something sort of startling. It's in between. It's in between. It's in between. <laughs> it's a little bit of a shock. And I guess if we recorded this like two days from now instead of 10 minutes after we walked out of the museum, maybe I would have processed it a little, little bit differently. Maybe I would be even more enthusiastic about it or maybe I would be more down on it. I actually don't know because it's so fresh. I mean, we just got out. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Anyway, it's this is up to you guys. All anyone who's listening, this is yeah. all up to you. You get to make these decisions. Um, the the museum, all it's done is just open its doors and tried to make it safe. So, so can we say can we say today go see some art? Are we ready to say that yet? I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't think so either. But uh, you know, here. We can say, start getting your mindset ready, because probably pretty soon you can go see some art. art. (laughs) Let's leave it at that. 
All right. So uh, until next time, everyone, please be safe and mm-hmm. take care of yourselves. And we will be back in two weeks. Thanks for listening.